0: From the Yeehaw's to the Yahoos. and everything in between, this podcast is for you. Alright guys, welcome back to the podcast. With this weather, no horse shows. Well, there are horse shows, but no horse shows for me because it's too cold. <laughs> Until I drag her this weekend. Is it supposed to be
1: warm or cold? <laughs> I don't know. Regardless, she
0: Regardless, she's going. 60s. I'll be all right in the sixties. Um, as you can tell, I'm a, I am a fair weather Betty. That's what I am. <laughs> so, horses oh, get very she's a fair weather fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. <laughs> anyway, we thought um, this time of year was, is a good time to talk about some stallions. Um, We thought local stallions for the most part since, you know, that's what I feel like, you know, most of us breed to more local stallions. Um,
1: Yeah, and I think for the most part, a lot more people are getting into the breeding part of our industry just for the simple fact that horses are so expensive.
0: Yeah. You can't afford it. You have to. If you want something nice, um, you know, you're going to show out thousands now I mean before you could buy really really in my opinion a really nice prospect around here I mean I'm you know I don't know about other areas but here you could buy a nice prospect for four five six grand like I wish there's but there's no way I'm not gonna say there's no way there's still you know I think when you don't find stuff on social media you get better deals yeah. But it seems like all the deals on social media, are, you know, you're not you're not getting a deal on social media. So yeah. word of mouth, maybe you can still get, you know, something nice for in that price range. But I mean, even for like weanlings, like it's crazy. You're you're for a weanling, you're talking even around here six to ten thousand dollars. You used to be able to buy a freaking nice two D three D horse for. Around here for ten dollars or $12,000. Yeah.
1: like, And it's just... It goes hand in hand with everything in our in- industry. I mean, I was adding up what training would cost for six months. God. And now I know why two or three-year-olds are $25,000, $30,000. Like, exactly. if they're in any incentives or anything like that. Like, just the amount of money that you have to get a baby on the ground. Like, it's really, insane. you're probably breaking
0: even if you take $6,500 for them. For sure. Yeah, and I haven't bred anything... Well, Deeks was the last baby, and he's th- he's he'll be four this year. So it was four years ago, and I mean I know stuffs went up a bunch, so I can't imagine um, oh, how even... much more it would be to to breed now. And I know some of you guys do that, and kudos to you, um, you guys. I'm sure know. Uh, firsthand this year how much it costs to, to breed but I am a little bit out of the loop on that stuff but I mean it was pricey you know four or five six years ago when I was doing it all the time
1: I have a, a local vet that I work for and she helped me out when I was breeding and <clears throat> she's gonna help me next year with Reese and so it wasn't you know I was very fortunate on the vet end of it but even just paying the stud fee and shipping and care for my mare I mean it was pricey and I can't like I mean the stud fees now, like you're lucky to get a decent stud for twenty five to thirty five hundred dollars if you're looking into the incentive studs and things like that, like Mm -hmm. the big incentives. I mean you you're gonna have ten thousand dollars on in on a baby before it hits the ground. So
0: Yeah. Sorry guys We've got dogs and we (laughs) we will we will cut them out some if we have to but you might hear an occasional dog we we do apologize. Um, our digs are not uh, up to par at the moment, so we do apologize. But this is where we're at in life. So, Frenchie and Stella are just saying hi. Yes. Yes, they're saying hi, and that horses are expensive. I know when we bred um, to a streak of fling and smooth guy and all that, um, a streak of fling stud fee was like $3,500, I'm pretty sure. And he wasn't the most expensive, but it was... I mean, it was on the higher end for stallions then, and you could breed to several really nice stallions for um, really under two thousand. There, there were a, a lot of options, and I mean, it's it's tough to find um, those, especially those bigger stallions um, that are I feel like less than two thousand. That I feel like the stud fees have really raised on a lot of them, and I understand. I mean everything is more expensive and you know, I, I mean I get it. But. well and
1: I think the incentives now
0: play Absolutely. a big role into the stud fee Because the
1: amount of money that they pay have yearly to, to yep.
0: That's a very good point. To enroll those studs. Yeah, and when we were doing that, Future Fortunes was not big at all here. Um I we did enroll our babies, but it was just starting to come here and I think there was like one or two shows that was even very close. I had Future Fortune's money, but you know we we put all of our babies into that. But the Ruby Pink Buckle, all that wasn't even around at that time to put stuff in. Yeah. Um And then there were there were other incentives, but there was none. A lot on of the them East were Coast. out west. Yeah, yeah. So there was no, I shouldn't say no point because some of the babies did end up out there, but they just weren't big. They weren't as they weren't anything like they are now.
1: Yeah, and I. I s- would imagine at the time you didn't think about what your breeding program would turn into I mean I'm sure that you had hopes and dreams but I feel like until that becomes a reality you just truly don't know and so I don't know that I would have thought about a ton of those incentives out there in a different part of the country for me either
0: right well and like I said they just weren't they weren't anything like they are now I mean future fortunes was one of the biggest ones at that time, and so it just wasn't something that you know, like I said, it wasn't something that it's it's not what it is now, yeah, or it wasn't what it and is. And I now.
1: don't think even now, I think it's definitely the lower end and like the junior sires, but I don't even think that you can find a ruby buckle or pink buckle stallion for under like $3,500 right now,
0: yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, and and, and those, that was even like those junior sires before used to be, you know, I mean, some of them were cheaper than you think, like 1200 bucks. you could breed to, like, nice bloodlines. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think I ain't seen nothing yet was 1250 when I bred to him. Yeah, he. I mean, that's that time frame sounds about right. Um, so, I, I think that's going to make a lot of people who would have one time, you know, maybe tried to breed to those bigger stallions, you know, maybe look a little closer to home because just with increased prices, and we have... Yeah, you know, fantastic stallions around here that have done a lot of things.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that there's some really nice local studs right now, and we're fortunate for that because not as many people have the number that I think that we do that um are, like, show the potential. You know, I'm sure there's a stallion around every corner, but I think that we have a couple good
0: ones, like, very local to us yeah and and in getting the information on some of these studs, I actually learned um some things about all of them that I I wasn't aware of or like um things that their babies had done that you know I I wasn't aware of I mean I knew some of them had um had some really successful babies but um some of the things like at the BFA and just different things like that you know and so that's kind of why we wanted to to do this because I don't I think a lot of people are in that same boat. They don't realize what they have um here local and no, yeah, I think I think a lot of them are in future fortunes at least, you know. They're yeah. not in they're not all in like tomorrow's legends or obviously they're not like pink or ruby buckle but i mean if you're not planning on going to the pink and ruby buckle then it doesn't matter if it's a pink or ruby buckle stallion you know right. there there and there are a lot of um future fortunes i think tomorrow's legends is
1: becoming um, more popular it is too. Yeah. yeah
0: so that's kind of great and then you know can um kentucky has the kiss yeah program Yep. um so uh, I mean, obviously that would be limited because you know I think the stud has to be born in Kentucky and do they I have to be actually, bred in
1: Kentucky? I don't know if they have also? to be bred. I know they have to be born, and I think it's funny they have to stand in Kentucky. The, I think it's funny because I
0: they don't have to stand in Kentucky.
1: I know um that some of those those owners would actually send the mayor to fall out in Kentucky. It was funny they yeah. like didn't live there but I remember
0: that yeah yeah, yeah I, I actually
1: Bill Ross was telling me about that
0: mm-hmm.
1: many years ago when I first got into barrel racing and I thought that that was funny but you know I can definitely see why any incentive is usually worth it um so we're going to talk about those stud owners but before we do we want to get into a little bit of the breeding side of it
0: In the and the mare and the yeah yeah I think um I don't know, growing up, I just, we didn't have brood mares, we didn't breed, so I, I feel like when I thought about brood mares, I thought of skinny horses, to be completely honest. I, you know, most of the brood mares that I saw were kicked out and they had, you know, burrs in their mane, and I, I mean, I, maybe that was just the people that I was around, I don't know, but they were, you know, the mares looked pretty crappy and, um, I don't think you see that as much now because I, there's so much more just available knowledge and research and opinions and things like that. So I think people are realizing how important it is to feed your broodmares. Um, of all the horses that we have, I don't know where the mentality was that you shouldn't feed, you know, the horse that is hopefully growing your future Superstar? Yeah, I mean
1: I feel like that mare should look as good, if not better, than your performance horses. Yeah, I mean they're
0: growing another horse and what you feed them so it affects the baby so much. I mean you, you can I mean what you feed those babies can affect whether or not they have straight legs to a certain degree or, you know
1: Absolutely. The I mean the way that they're developed and also I mean I it's funny because I've seen lots of horses and for vet care and things like that and just the other day um I seen a horse that was really big boned and it's um it was just you could tell that that horse was supposed to be a big horse the parents were really big she was telling me how big its parents were and um she hadn't had the horse its whole life but anyways the horse was like just you could tell malnourished like it if that horse would have been fed better you know and its mom been fed better like it probably would have been a bigger horse like it's all of its bloodlines literally all the way back to like its great 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 grandsire she was telling me were like huge horses and it was this small little like pony size horse literally And people, I think, hopefully are starting to realize that nutrition plays a huge role in that. Um, And I think that it's your due diligence, like for your mare or anything that you're doing. If you don't know, like that's okay. If you're new into breeding, I was new into breeding. I've, I've bred, you know, two mares one time and that's all I've done. But I dug deep into my research. I went even beyond my vet. Like I wanted to know as much as there was to know about it. And I think that you owe whatever you're doing if you own a guinea pig or you own a broodmare you own a racehorse like it's your responsibility to dig into that and get the knowledge that you can and it's at our fingertips it's very easy to do and so there's no reason to do that I know that I've had many vets tell me the number one reason a mare um, won't get in foal or stay in foal is if they're malnourished, if they're skinny. So I don't think that you should even attempt to be
0: breeding a mare that you can see it's ribs. It's ribby, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and going to, you know, losing babies, I think another thing that people don't think of that should just be routine maintenance is getting horse, mares cultured. Oh, like, yes. It is a huge deal. And if, I don't. And care a lot if of you stallions even require that. Like, right. not just live color stallions,
1: but I know um, that mine did because they don't want to have to ship to you two yeah, or three times people and... get
0: so mad about that but they're saving you money trust me they're saving you money in the long run because there's a very high percentage um, of the time if your mare does not catch on the first time it is because you know she's dirty and um, you could have caught that you could have fixed it and you know even if she doesn't catch then if you've done that, then that's that's the first thing you're going to check off. Like, if you don't get that mare in full the first time, that is the next thing you're going to go to is, okay, let's culture this mare. So if you don't get that baby the first time, you've already checked that off the list. So let's move on to to something else so it saves you time it saves you energy it saves you the freaking shipping fee like
1: and the emotional toll it takes on you oh my gosh just the up and
0: down yeah
1: I didn't have to experience that but like I can't imagine like just being so excited and then they're not being a baby and having to go back and re-breed and reship and I can't imagine like you and also just because your mare is maiden doesn't mean that they don't need cultured a lot that's a misconception I hear a lot of owners tell that to, um, veterinarians that I've worked for, and, um, you just, you can't ever assume that. Actually, one of my mares cultures came back positive, and I had to flush them and treat them before I could and breed them. They were both maiden, right? Yeah, they were both maiden, and one came back. It was actually Reese; she came back, um, dirty. Her culture was not clean, and so we had to flush her and then
0: reculture, and she caught on the first time, and she probably wouldn't have. Right. I don't know did that yeah I know um Lisa that has ain't seen nothing yet like she won't you know she won't breed your mare unless you can prove that you have a a clean culture and actually she's fantastic if you guys are interested in things like that I think she's posted a lot of stuff so you could learn a ton of stuff so if you've never bred, even if you have bred, if you want to learn more um follow her because she we can is... even
1: share some of her posts on our page there's some she she does an amazing post on like oxytocin post breeding that is really really helpful she has several really good informational posts on breeding and um like post the scientific articles that you can directly go to they're right in her facebook page so it's pretty cool that and you can learn a lot of knowledge from those so we might share some of those on our page after this podcast
0: yeah yeah, she's, I mean, obviously your vet would be um, first, but if you just want to do extra research, like she said, definitely um, check her out. And because. your vet's
1: going to thank you for that. I mean, they, yep. you know, any breeding vet, you know, if that's what they do and that's what they do all day long, they're probably going to be really thorough and um, informational in that, but if you have a vet that does a lot of different things and are pulled in many different directions, the more information, you know, I mean, they'll welcome that they'll be happy that, you know, those things. Um, And it will make their job easier because they won't have to spend two hours trying to convince you to do what will also make their job easier.
0: And I think another thing going to vets, which um, doesn't have anything to do with cultures, but changing the subject a little bit is before you um, pay that stud fee in our area, uh, make sure you know what bet you're going to use because, um, they you know, when we were breeding a lot, we used Winnie Massett and he is fabulous. He does such a good job. We AI'd almost every mare and he got all of them in full, um, except Famous, which we had, we just, we had trouble getting her bred. The people we sold her to had trouble getting her bred. It didn't have anything to do with Winnie. She was just really tough for some reason. Um. But you know, he was fantastic, and I don't think he breeds anymore. And that is such a waste, Winnie Massett. If anybody <laughs> sees him, you can tell him that I'm still mad at him. We for need that. a good breeding vet in this
1: area. <laughs> our, our vets that are local here are too busy to do
0: so. Yeah, we're not. It, there's, there's nothing against any of the local vets. Um, actually, I know Lynn has helped me out a ton, she's ultrasounded mares for me. Um, yeah, I, when even... I worked
1: for her, she did a good bit of it. And she did a really good job at it. But yep. working with those vets, I see the other side of it. And, you know, when they're working, if if it, if breeding is not their specialty, it's just really not set up for a horse that, or for a vet that's in the, in the field and seeing horses. For example, they could be out on vaccines or an emergency colic and your semen arrives that day and they have
0: to be there to breed your mare. Like, it's just not... Yeah, like, you, the mayor does not wait on them. Right. They are going to do what the mayor says. Or, if they don't, then that's costing you... And they have to shoulder that. They're like, because of me, this client has
1: to pay more money. And yeah, so, it's just and it's not... A,
0: and it's three... It's typically the shipping fee is, is $300. I know that that was my general, like... I know some of them are two fifty, some of them maybe be more than that now, but I think three hundred is a good like average number for that's a lot that's a lot of money, yeah, like just to get it shipped to you so it's, that's culture your mayor, you know um, make sure that you have the vet lined up that can actually commit to breeding the mare. like I said, nothing against our local vets i mean i th- I think most of them will tell you that they're not going to, and that is the reason why, and you know I understand that, but it's it's a huge commitment to take on mares to breed and you know and when he was doing it that's that's what he primarily did he did some other things but primarily like when we were there he had five or six mares there like that was that was what he did and he based his day around ultrasounding mares and you know getting semen and yeah that kind of stuff so he could you know he was able to do that kind of stuff and um So, just definitely make sure that you know what vet you're going to use. And I would even talk to them beforehand just because that's the vet that you use for, you know, your lameness or your Coggins or whatever. Like, that does not mean that they are going to want to um, take on breeding mares for you, so...
1: Well, and even, I think, even if you're doing live cover, I think that it's something to consider because there are so many... um, researches and articles out there that are now saying like it's not super beneficial it can actually be hurtful to the pregnancy if you continue to cover a mare when she's already bred so for example how you know in the old days they would put a mare and a stallion and a field together and they would breed them as much as they would breed that's not really the ideal thing to do now because that's more fluid you're putting in and if you're not using oxytocin it's like there's a huge it's really high percentage that they will not um stay in full so i think that's something to consider too of like using a vet even if you are going to live cover to ultrasound your mare in her cycle see where she's at and take her when she's ready instead of just save you money yes yes and so um you know I'm, I know that sometimes it can I, I chalk it up to beginner's luck but I did everything I was supposed to and I got two maiden mares in full on the first time I that did and she was really awesome and did a great job at it but it saved me a lot of money and just doing what I was supposed to and I think that it, it just amazes me that there are some people that have bred their mare their mare's like you know, pretty far and full when they've never even seen a vet.
0: Right. Like I'm yeah. like
1: how, like, you know, most yeah. people do everything right. And then they're still like struggling sometimes to get a mare and full. Yep. So it's just amazing to me. Well, but.
0: and it, it'll save you on mare care because I mean, unless, and you know, we're talking, we're talking about West Virginia here. So if you're listening from another state, um, you might have a vet around the corner and they may come to your house all the time and that's fantastic and I'm super jealous, but, um, that is not the case here. You know, I'm at least an hour to two hours, depending on what vet it would use, what vet we would use. Um, and so typically you're going to pay mare care too. So, you know, if I, if I short cycle that mare, um, I don't, I'm, I don't want to give her, give her the shot. And then I don't want to immediately take her. I don't want to immediately take her down there because then I'm paying for two, three, maybe four days worth of mare care that, you know, I don't necessarily need because I can take her. You know, if I know that after I short cycle my mare, she typically comes in on day five or day six or, you know, whatever that may be. I take her down there on day four and I save myself, you know, three days of mare care. And, you know, it used to be 10 to $15 a day. I don't know what it is now, but, I mean, that adds up fast. And especially if you're two or three hours away, you're going to want to, in my opinion, you're going to want to leave them down there until you ultrasound because you don't want to drive two hours back home and then have to turn around and drive them two hours back. Yep. You know? Yep. So, you're going to want to So, there you've got Medicare for two weeks. I mean, so, it's really expensive. So, I think, you know, if you can get that vet to come out and ultrasound and and show you where that mare is i mean it's never ever ever foolproof you can do everything right you take that mare down there and you get there and they're like man she's not in heat she hasn't come in heat in a week so then you've still wasted it you know and every
1: mare i mean they they ovulate at different numbers and sizes and you know you can't unless that it's the same vet that has bred a mare year after year like they're you know they're unpredictable In a sense, but I think that you're definitely going to be more successful if you at least try to do that. Right. And do the things that you're supposed to do. Um, And so I think in short, just get a good vet that knows what they're doing and that is willing to do it. Yeah. And you'll probably save yourself a lot more money.
0: I think another important thing, in my opinion, to think about is what kind of mare you should actually breed um, I know that with some people, it's kind of just the philosophy that if, if it's a mare, then you can breed it. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, just my opinion, but I don't think just because it's a mare. And, honestly, just because it's bred well, I mean, I think that that definitely can make a difference if it's bred well, but just because it's bred well, I don't necessarily know that, you know, that's something, um, that you should breed. And this is, this part is going to be probably a maybe very unpopular opinion. I don't know. Um, but I, I really think that unless it's a baby that you plan on keeping, um, that it's really, really important that you breed it to a mare that's going to, you know, make a valuable baby. Because otherwise, I think, one, you're going to have a really hard time getting that baby sold. Um, and two, you know, if you breed it to something that hasn't really done anything or, you know, isn't bred super well or, you know, something like that, I just... I just think you're gonna you're you're not gonna get that baby into the hand you want to get it into.
1: Well, and I mean the market is absolutely flooded
0: it with
1: is. with babies, mm-hmm. and you're just not. There's always gonna be a mayor that's better than yours. Yeah, there's always gonna be, you know, mares out there that are doing things that are open and can be bred. So I honestly think. I agree with that. Like, if it's not a mare that's, you know, either a proven producer or has a lot of stats herself, she shouldn't be bred unless she's very sentimental to you and you're keeping the baby. And But other than that, like, if you don't have intentions on keeping a baby for a sentimental reason, your mare needs to be proven and nice and not just five people should know who she is.
0: Right. You know? Right. And you know, sometimes if you're truly building a breeding program, then it's maybe worth taking a chance, you know, on a mare because you can you know, you can always buy an unproven mare cheaper than you can buy a proven mare. Um but I I still think you need to do your research. And I still think that you know, you just you just really need to think about it. There are so many nice horses out there and we're not going to I'm not going to get on the the kill pen conversation or or anything like that but you know in reality there are so many horses that are bred so nice that are in the kill pen. and if you think that your baby could not end up there you know you're wrong
1: oh 100 and you either I mean you either breed for two reasons you either breed so you can have a performance horse and raise it and train it and that's all well and good or you are trying to build a breeding program and if you're going at it for money or trying to build a breeding program
0: why would you want to do that right because you're shooting you are, yourself in the foot you are absolutely and i think something else is you know the old saying um every horse is one bad owner away from the kill pen
1: oh yeah and i 100 percent agree with that i 100 percent agree with
0: that so just because i don't care if your horse is you know especially if it's a gelding. I mean, there are well-bred mares that end up there too, but especially a gelding, you know, you, I don't care if it is an own son of bully bullion or, you know, honestly, even dashed to fame. Like those horses still can end up in the kill pen. Like, and they do. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times are, I feel like she, she's one of
1: just like, not because she's had that many horses that she's gotten rid of, but just because she's the most popular, barrel racer or well-known barrel racer out there is Fallon taylor like how many times have you seen her brand in the kill pin and like they post it on facebook and make such a big deal about it like if alan taylor's horses with a brand on it can end up in the kill pin any of ours can
0: yeah that's for sure and you know like i said i know that's a soapbox that i'm not gonna get on and i also think and something that i stand by to this day um and you can ask anybody that i have sold a baby to If you are not willing to take that horse back at any given time, if that horse lands in a rough spot, you don't need to be breeding. Like, every time one of my babies gets sold to a new owner, um, I message as long... And so far, I've been very lucky, which I, you know, I'm not a huge breeder by any stretch, very, very small. Um, But every baby that we have had, when I find out that that baby switches hands, I immediately message the new owner I tell them who I am that I raised the baby and I let them know that if there's any point whenever you know that horse needs a home needs a soft place to land that they can come back to my house and if you're not willing to do that you don't need to be breeding period 100% if you felt like that baby was nice enough and you put that much money into that baby and you were so excited for that baby then there should never be a point in that horse's life where you are not a soft place for it to land, and that is my opinion, and I will die on that hill, and no, I like that. Agree with that. I'm like that. Also, was like that with my broodmares. I do not think that that is feasible for some people, and you know that's fine. But that was also, you know, I sold Fruity to Mary, um, let, and I think that she would. I mean, I'm sure that she would tell you that, you know, I would take her back, which <laughs> that's never going to happen. Fruity is, <laughs> yeah. Fruity is where <laughs> Fruity is, but you know, I mean, if she ever needed a place to, to come back to, um, you know, they're going to actually, I think I'm pretty sure when I sold those mares that I put them in like AQHA's full circle, they have like a full circle program and I, I'm. I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Like if you enroll those horses on there, if they like, they're supposed to um, contact you if that horse ever ends up in a bad spot, like in a kill pen or whatever. Now, do people actually look into that? I don't know. And I didn't have to pay to do it, but I think you could check a box or something and put them in it. And um, that was something that I did. Like I'm super passionate about that stuff. So, but 100% your babies, if you are not willing to take those horses back at any age, um, I'm not saying pay thousands of dollars for them. I'm saying saying when they fall in that kill pen or somebody finds them and, you know, they're freaking skin and bones, you should be willing to take them back with open arms. And if you are not, you do not need to be breeding.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you believe in them enough to put them here, Mm -hmm. then you should believe in them enough to make sure that they... Or even, a safe,
0: do, good home. or even do the right thing, you know, maybe they need euthanized and you pay for it because some piece of crap is too cheap to yeah. pay to have that horse euthanized. Yeah. And I think that was part of the full circle was you don't necessarily have to take the horse back, but like you'll pay, I, I think, don't hold me to that. Um, But I'm pretty sure that was even, that was part of it. Like you would pay to have the horse euthanized or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like I said, I even put both of the broodmares that I sold. Um, in that and I know that's not realistic for everybody and I'm not sitting here saying that but like I said babies I do believe that 100% yep. and have lived by it you can ask any any person that has a baby of mine, swag and um, the Delantes like I, I'm in contact with every single owner um, of every baby that I have sold except Sawyer just got sold um, a few weeks ago a month ago something like that and I um just recently found out who the woman was that bought him and so she's the only person that like I'm talking like two days ago just found out who bought him so I have not I'm actually, looking at her like
1: you haven't told me this information yeah yet. it was literally like it was literally like
0: I just found that I think it was yesterday so she'll be getting a message from me this week <laughs> Cause I am the crazy lady that says, listen, you have one of my babies, so I'm going to need you to keep me posted. Um, so anyway, that, like I said, that was something that, um, I think is really important. And you know, we, we wanted to touch base on that and that will once again, probably not be a popular opinion, but that is a hill I will die on.
1: Well, and I mean, you should just believe in that baby if you're bringing them into this world. I mean, I, and the same thing goes for the mare. Like, it, we talked about nutrition a little bit about with the mare care and things like that, but, like, they should also, like, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but they should be taken care of just like your other horses. They should have fly spray on. Their feet should be kept up. Like, they shouldn't be getting trimmed twice a year. You know, those mares, if they mean enough to you to breed. Right. Then they should mean enough to you to have to just as of much life. care as any of your other
0: horses. Yep. And I mean, you know, my broodmares had shoes if they needed them and I know that people don't do that. And that's, I mean, that's fine. Like you don't have to do that. But I do, I do think that it makes a difference in the long run, um, in how your babies, you know, are. And honestly, if you can't afford to feed your broodmares and you can't afford to have their, you know, feet trimmed, you probably can't afford to have a baby. Like, yeah, I mean, and I'll realize now if you're just not doing it, like you're no, going to put okay. you
1: and your horses in a situation that you realize will realize at one point in time that you don't even need to be in your. And also
0: babies are so, so, so expensive if you do it correctly. And, um, you know, just between the farrier and the vaccines that they're supposed to have and pulling wolf teeth and, you know, just. If you don't have the ability to give that baby manners and you send it off, and then if even if you do, then you better <laughs> hope that you can afford an extra month of training while somebody else puts the manners on your two-year-old for you. And they're exhausting. Yes, like, they are.
1: On top of all of that, babies, I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind would say that that is like their grand passion. Well. Wow they might but they're a lot they're, they're crazy, crazy. <laughs> yes. like i'm not saying that people don't like to breed and train and raise them up from the ground but like all at least i know all of my friends like That first couple years is, like, not the funnest. Yeah, we don't mean babies (laughs) like
0: two-year-olds. We mean babies, like, that you can't actually do anything with. Like, from the ground to two when you can actually ride them. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Like, that part's not fun. Because you get to experience all the firsts. And you don't think about that. You get to be the person to put the halter on them for the first time. You get to be the person to teach them how to tie. And the hundredth time. And until you've done
1: that for a hundred days in a row, like, it's... They're not good at it. And right. I mean, you know, that's and a little farrier, exaggerating, but
0: I mean. The farrier and they're throwing themselves against the wall and they're <laughs> rearing up and you're just like, why? And am the I
1: injuries doing this? and they try to kill themselves. Yeah, and then you
0: have to doctor a horse that has never been doctored. Like, those are all <laughs> things that, like, you don't think about that part of it. And the weaning, you're just like, please don't kill yourself. Please don't literally jump over the stall door. Please don't run through the fence. Those are all things that happen and if you talk to anybody who has raised a baby they will tell you that um they literally are constantly looking for a place to die like i have a lot of
1: experience with injuries and illness and you know all of those things and I think my baby was 24 hours old. And I was saying, I'm never doing this again. Yes, now I are. know why they I cost $20,000. <laughs> and and Whitney just said the same thing to us too. She's like, now yes. I know why they cost so much money. <laughs> like, I think that unless you just have now Reese's baby, her delivery was like so easy. Everything went perfect. I was like, man, if I had, if that happened every time, but <laughs> yes. not with Fendi. I mean, I was like, no, I'm never doing this again. And I'm doing it again next year, but...
0: Um. Of course you are. <laughs> because we're crazy. Because horse people are absolutely insane.
1: No, honestly, if I had a million dollars, I would never breed a baby again. I would always buy my babies.
0: Yeah. I think...
1: I would buy them from people that have handled them from the time they were little. I I just got a two-year-old that wasn't handled until she was brought in um, to be sold and... I also think that's just not for me personally, but I would not breed my babies. I would let someone else do it because I think it is well worth the fifteen or twenty thousand dollars you can pay for a two year old, for somebody else to do it.
0: Well, and some people they they don't like for their babies to be handled, and that's fine. I think that's personal preference. It like, definitely is for me. Yeah. you know, I like to handle my babies because I just think you know I had a I had a baby get hurt at at um. How old was she? Eight months old, and she was halter broke. Um, she'd been rubbed on all over. She'd had her feet trimmed since she was, you know, old enough to have her feet trimmed. All the things like because I had handled her, but she degloved her leg and had to be on stall rest for four months. And we had to change the bandage every single day for three months. And the first, I'm not kidding, the first month. The first two weeks, I legitimately wanted to cry because, like, she was handled and she was just so bad because it hurt.
1: <laughs> you know, like, it hurt. Oh, yeah. I cannot imagine bandaging.
0: Yeah. And it was a back leg. Yeah. So, that was cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, it was just, it was terrible. And she was
1: handled. Well, and it's not like you can just slap a quick bandage on there. It takes, like, it's not like getting a halter on a baby. Like, you have to keep that bandage secure and not bunched up. And, like, you have to worry about all the things you do with bandaging, let alone on a baby on a back leg that's
0: probably kicking. Oh, it (laughs) was terrible. I literally didn't want to go home every day. Like, I'm not kidding. It was (laughs) – I didn't want to go home because I knew that when I got home, I had to change her bandage. And then my husband, who does not do horses, he had to help me. And then he was, like (laughs) – I mean he was helpful I'm not saying that but like he was not the best at like handling an 8 month old who was very pissed and so we I'm would have just to picturing
1: him now <laughs> Oh yeah
0: we would we would have to like just trade off and it was so bad but she ended up she got to where I could actually after probably the first month she got to where I could actually bandage it with no halter she just got she was fine she just got used to it um but anyway very 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 stressful and um but I know some people prefer for them not to be handled and I I don't there's nothing wrong with that I mean No, I
1: think it's what you can do and like I know a lot of people that prefer that and say that it even like that they're more willing and it works better for them and I think that that's fine. I think it's all in what you're willing to put up with. You. And and yeah, and like what you're planning on doing with him and things like that. Like, for instance, Timmy doesn't care to be jumped on top of by a two-year-old. Right. So, if it's never been handled, like, that's fine. He's going to cowboy it. I am not going to be doing that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, well, and I think so, it matters, too. I think it depends. It, it matters, too, in the situation that you keep them. You know, like, my my babies have to be handled because, like, they can't live outside 24-7 where I yeah. live. Like, but if, if we lived out west or if you just have a big farm and you've got two or three hundred acres that you kick horses out on for you know like a long long periods of time then that I think is a completely different arrangement and a completely different scenario than you know a uh, like my baby because they have to be able to lead in and out to go to come in and out of you know the pasture and it gets really cold where I live so like I mean, they, they don't have to have a blanket. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, like, they, they have to be handled. They have to be able to lead. Um, They're not out, like, roaming thousands of acres like they are out west or whatever to keep their feet trimmed. Yeah. But, like, to keep their feet trimmed, like, on their own and things like that. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, I could just not handle him. But well, realistically, I think that's it, not feasible.
1: It also depends on how big your program is. Is too. I think that people it does. that
0: you have 20 are to this
1: full time and have twenty, like yeah, they're not going to handle twenty babies every day. What yes. else would they get done?
0: Absolutely, yeah. It does. It does make a big difference. And but the if, but if you have an operation big enough to have twenty babies, you more than likely have a lot of pasture, and those babies are kicked out, like yeah, a lot of the time. And so, so we're 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 I I couldn't even give an opinion on something like that because I don't know what it would be like to have enough pasture for 20 horses
1: no I don't either I I don't think that I will ever hopefully be crazy enough
0: to want 20 horses same absolutely not because
1: that would be insane
0: yeah that's why this is not so rich and famous so we're not talking about the people who (laughs) have the money to have that much property and you know the yeah. ability to I mean um, I
1: guess you know. if we had that many horses we would probably have enough money for a full-time staff and so maybe we
0: would do it you know who knows <laughs> I don't even I can't I'm even just dream saying that big. <laughs> I can't even dream that big as I got over here um at at 8 30 <laughs> to start this because I had to clean all my stalls and blanket all my horses And I'm just kidding. I didn't blanket all my horses. You didn't? No. They're inside.
1: You're the one that said you're going to have to blanket all your horses tonight, and I about fell out of my office chair. I was looking at the weather, and I'm like, when you guys were texting that, I'm like, how cold is it going to be tonight? And then I looked, (laughs) and I was like, it's going to be 25. I mean, yeah. That's colder at my house. I guess we'll blanket them. And then I read your text that was like, they don't have enough hair yet. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably valid.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I didn't blanket all of them. I blanketed the ones that didn't have enough hair, and then the ones that were old. That was it. So anyway, I'm just saying, I. Right. Uh. So. Uh.
1: What you're telling me is. Poor Happy didn't get a blanket.
0: <laughs> he doesn't have a blanket. You know? But neither does Chesney because he's you, not man. old and he gets plenty of <laughs> hair. <laughs> Neither does Chesney. Thank you very much.
1: Rayleigh, you're going to have to fix that.
0: <laughs> she is. Don't worry. Yeah. She's she's going to fix that.
1: And another thing I think that we can touch base on is choosing the right stud for you and your bear. Yeah. So I think for me, um, I consider bloodlines. I'm a big believer that genetics play a role into a lot of that and especially if you've ever been around a kid or a dog or a horse that's like never been around their dad or mom or something like that and you see so much of that kid or animal in in them you like you know that genetics play a big role so I think finding um a stud that matches or complements that mare not only um genetically, but also personality wise too. So that's important for me. If I have a mare that's hot and pushy, I'm going to probably try to breed a stud that throws babies that have a good head on their shoulders. And, um, there are certain magic crosses with bloodlines that are proven that you can also take into consideration. I did when I bred Fendi, um, And then I think also picking something in your price range. I think that um, stretching yourself too thin in the breeding game is the way to get off on the wrong foot. So I think that you should start a budget from the very beginning and pick a stud that's well under that so you can account for all
0: that could go wrong. So what you're saying is you believe you can ride papers? (sighs) Yes, I believe you can ride papers. (laughs) I'm just saying, I feel like that's the big debate. It
1: is the big debate, it is. Yes, I I do believe that you can ride papers. I think that um, there are certain trainers that can ride anything, um, on the other hand of that. But I think that you have to be a really good trainer to be able to do that. (laughs) Julie (laughs) Costelli. She didn't ride papers. (laughs) But no, I definitely think yes, genetics go a lot into it and... Um, you know, there's, horses are different these days and they're getting faster and faster. And I think that it it goes down to the smallest little hair on them can make a difference. I mean, the horses that run at the speeds they do now couldn't touch horses 20 years ago. Right. I mean, we've, we are talking about just even locally, the amount of faster horses that we have now compared to 10 or. 15 years ago was
0: well and we're actually breeding for barrel horses now they didn't they didn't do that before and I know now I've I've seen where heard you know listen to podcasts or whatever and and they're just now starting to breed for rope horses you Mm -hmm. know barrel horses and from my understanding if you're a roper don't come at me (laughs) but from my understanding you know, a lot of rope horses are like cutter rejects and things like that. And I know a lot of, I know a lot of cutter rejects they send to um, to barrel race because I mean that's what Nettie was. Yeah. You know, she was a cutter reject, and um, so I feel like um, that makes a huge difference, which I think maybe points to you can ride papers. I didn't say that, but you yeah. know, um. I don't. I don't really. I think if you say you you can't ride papers, it's maybe you know because you haven't ridden something that is actually bred to run barrels.
1: Yes, and you probably haven't competed at levels nationally that you're getting your butt absolutely kicked. Yes, I remember I showed up to a barrel race. Um, it's been five six years ago probably and I was praying that I could just get in the fourth division because I was running against H2 when you run <laughs> right. against horses like that you yeah. know like it, any little thing that can make a difference and we know genetics do I mean that's the whole reason that we look into those type of things and unpopular opinion here I think it is so so important of carefully picking your stallion too because I think that in my opinion they matter more than what some people care to admit some people care to say that it's all about the mare and I we know that's not true in people and I just don't think that it's true in horses um or dogs or anything for that matter I think that it's really important of how you pick your stud just as much as it's important of what mares you choose to breed
0: right yeah um I mean, I mean, it just mat- It both matter. There yes, absolutely, no doubt. Um, and you know, I think I do think the the mayor plays an enormous role because I think it's oh, absolutely, it's really enter- It's it's really cool because when you have like ET babies, um, they'll still act like their mom even though their oh, mom absolutely. didn't raise them. Oh, absolutely,
1: know? and that's why. I mean. You know, that's why I said in kids and stuff, too. Like, when they've never been around that parent, like, you can still see so much of that parent in them and Mm -hmm. that mare in them and stud, too. Um,
0: Yeah, they say ain't seen nothing yet really, like, passes on, from what I've heard, like, uh, like, really passes on his personality to a lot of his babies.
1: And 100%, like, I read time and time again, they act like puppy dogs, and mine acts like a puppy dog, and her mom did not.
0: No, she didn't.
1: And so it's either you know nurture or her dad and with all of them posting that they're like puppy dogs you know I'm willing to bet that it's her dad that has to do with that so I just think that it's really important that you can take into consideration both not one or the other and I don't think that a stud is more important than a mayor by any means I think that the mayor because especially in the instance that they're like raising and weaning the baby and stuff too I think that they matter more right. but I think that studs are um definitely play more of a role than some people like to think or say
0: right well and I think if you know going back to to bloodlines uh, you know why do why did we start breeding cow horses to race horses because we wanted speed. Right. So, therefore, it it has to make a difference. Yep. Bloodlines have to make a difference. I don't, I, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a good argument anymore that that they don't. Now, there are, there are still superstar horses that aren't the norm, you know, that aren't, like, the norm. And I actually, I kind of feel like the industry's going to start going... To more outcrosses, to be completely well, honest. Well, we have
1: to. There, I mean. There's a million I'm not dash a line. to fame sons. There's a yes. million
0: fr- Frenchman's guy sons. Like, there's a million, you know. Well, and whatever.
1: like, Fendi, she has Frenchman's guy, dash to fame, hot collars, like all of those on her papers. Right. Who do I breed her to? You know, that li- I'm not a line breeder. So it limits me and who you have to at some
0: point it's good it it is when you're
1: intermixing all of those bloodlines to have to outcross unless you believe in line breeding
0: yeah yeah it's coming it's definitely coming I see uh, more and more people going to you know things like that and and um, or going to those stallions that aren't you know those i want to say you know super popular studs like frenchman's guy brand
1: name studs dash yep. to
0: fame and you know bully bullion and corona cartel and you know those guys which i feel like you know corona cartel and bully Bull- bully bullion they they are not really in my opinion they're not out crosses but they're they're not like dash to fame like i just feel like
1: frenchman's Guy, dash to fame they're like a there's stuff, one like,
0: around every corner yeah. you know yeah. i mean they're just they just are so enough about enough about those guys i think everybody knows oh everything there is to know about um those stallions um i think we should go ahead and get into to talking about some of, of our local studs kind of actually um what is this an hour into this podcast? what it was supposed to be about <laughs> in the in the beginning? You guys are probably about done with us at this point. We haven't even got to the real title of the um podcast, but we got with um some of the local stud owners we did we did put a post out, so there was no favorites or whatever. It was just um people that you know had seen the post and and one of their stallion you know uh, mentioned and we did reach out to a few people that we weren't sure if they would see you know the post or not um but you know anybody was welcome to send us information and we would have been happy to put it on here so like i said no favorites so if you're not on here then that's your own fault because we left it open to everybody I think first we'll um, talk about Dustin White Stud, cool, quick kid. I know they just purchased him this year, and they are really excited about him. Um, he's a 2001 brown stallion. Um, he is 16 one hands. He won over 34,000 on the racetrack and has a speed index of 101. He is by the one million. Winner and $2 million producer Royal Quick Dash. Um, he is out of Hava Ziva, who is by uh, the $30 million brood, brood mare producing sire Ziva. In 2012, he was the number one sire in the nation for percentage winners from starters at 85%. He was a multiple G1 and triple A steak sire and he stood privately for Williams Racing Stables until 2016 and was owned until February of 2023 by the McWilliams in Walton, Kentucky. Um, Kidd himself is the sire of two American Rodeo qualifiers, WRS Cool Memories, winner of over 280000 the bulk of that being open money before any big incentive races. He has won the Penny Raid Slot Race, fastest time of the weekend at multiple Lucky Dog events and set an arena record with a 14-4 in Cloverdale in 2015 at the IBRA Nationals. Also, Ima a Blazing Grace, ridden and owned by Sabre Moore with multiple 1D Super Show wins. Over 80% of offspring that have entered the barrel pin age six and older have verified 1D results. There are two three-year-olds that were excited to begin their career. One out of Ricochet of Fame, owned and ridden by Marnie Lucenore, and the other out of French Twister, who produced the twenty twenty four Youth World Champion Chrome by Design, owned and ridden by Brad Wagner. Kid has been a proven Futurity, derby open and rodeo producer. He will stand this year at last resort stallion station in Franklin Furnace, Ohio. His current early booking fee is $750, but that's just through the end of November. And after, his, after that, his 2024 stud fee is going to be $1,000. They're going to offer cold and frozen semen. It says um, that they have over 300 straws currently collected and hope to add another three to 400 in 2024 to ensure that there will be quality kid babies for years to come yearlings and older are kiss eligible and they're hoping to get him back in that incentive next year but he is enrolled in future fortunes and tomorrow's legends and we will put um some photos on our facebook page of kid
1: i think kid is a really nice stud and one of the ones out of Studs that we are gonna highlight. He's been there and done that, and has a lot of babies on the ground and in the barrel pin already producing. So, if you guys are looking for proven stallion, I think he's a great option.
0: And if you guys have any questions about him, um, don't hesitate to get a hold of um, Dustin or Brittany. I know they're really excited about him as they should be, and I'm sure they would be happy to answer any questions. And um, something else that I that I probably should have added at the beginning of this is. Um, it's always a good idea to call and actually talk to the stud owner and ask them about the horse and their temperament and um, what what do they see what kind of mares do they see that that their stallion crosses well on like behavior wise and things like that because some studs tend to throw which we did kind of mention that that they tend to throw hotter you know hotter babies and when you're not around that stud you don't know that so I think people just look online and they say, oh my gosh, I love the way he's bred and I think he's beautiful, but you don't actually have any idea if you're complimenting your mare. So, you know, if you've never been around this stud or you've never been around this studs babies, um, please, you know, contact these owners. I know, I know that all of them would be happy to talk to you about, um, any of these studs. So definitely, definitely do that and, you know, let them give you their opinion on, um, the kind of mares that that cross well on them.
1: So with that being said, our next stallion up is Ashley Sheets, stud Teller's Dash. He's an extraordinary own son of legendary Corona Cartel and out of the mare Teller's Cash, who produced more than $500,000 and won $38,000 herself. He is a full brother to Tell Him I'm Gone, who won $353,000 or a little more on that On the track with a three fourths brother to Teller Cartel, who won $1.2 million on the track and has sired more than $10 million between the track and the barrel pin. Dash himself has earned right under $10,000 on the track and been a competitive 1D 2D barrel horse in stiff Texas competition. Aside from having a phenomenal pedigree of earners, Teller's Dash has sired earners in excess of 117,000 with just 36 riding age foals on the ground. He is a consistent producer of big-boned, tall, flashy babies with a huge desire to work and move their feet. Everyone that owns them raves over how sweet and sane-minded they are. While most of them have found success in the barrel pin, they are also finding success on the track, in the roping pin, and just everyday go-to heart horses. Dash himself is still hitting the barrel pin with a youth rider. His balanced build and strong bone has delivered him still competitive at 16 years old. He stands a strong 16 hands and weighs in at 1300 pounds. He will be standing at Fort Warwick farm in Greenbake, West Virginia. And he is live cover only his stud fee is $850 with an early booking. Um, and a thousand dollar live full guarantee is his normal stud fee. He has several babies that are doing well in the barrel pin, just a few of them teller cartel dash for collars and tellers' collars um and he has a standout baby specifically she wanted us to mention a dash of Rona that has won ten thousand plus. so I think that he is pretty, pretty nice stud he's beautiful. Um, we've seen a couple runs of him running himself that we'll post on our Facebook page. Um, just, I think, is another super nice complimentary stud in our area. And I think it's a fun fact that Fallon Taylor ran him,
0: too. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think it was really cool. And what's so cool about this is that, you know, you get to learn um, things about horses that you see every day that belong to people that you just, you don't realize. Like, and you yeah. don't realize how much stuff some of these horses have done or how much stuff maybe their, you know, horses in their pedigree have done. And they're, they're like, right here in West Virginia um, or, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, but surrounding states that are, you know, definitely close enough to, um, to live cover to if you, you know, want to do that. Um, so we definitely have some really nice local stallions to choose from. And while we're on local stallions that are, um, these are, this this guy's still um, in West Virginia, Uh, we wanted to to mention Jamie Huffman Barker's stallion. Um, I know he is a, he's a pretty cool guy. He is a full brother to the Bea mares, um, the Bea stash of money, uh, be a bag of money,
1: be a stick of money. Be
0: uh, a... Yeah, which was, um, was it Harper? Was he yeah, like Harper one? was be a stick of money, I believe. And then um, also Johnny, the beer ring of fire.
1: Yes. He's also a
0: full brother. Um, his name is R.H. Bia, Last Chance. He is a 2014 AQHA Stallion, 15-1 hands, um, he it will be standing at the Huffman's Farm, um, Alicia's Spring Farm, and his stud fee for 2024 is $500. Um, they offer live cover, but they also have some frozen semen available at Park Equine. And she said that his oldest foals will be four in 2024. And so far, all of his foals are showing great promise, um, being eager to please, and quick to learn. And he's also a future fortune stallion. And if I know those Huffman girls, they'll have those babies kicking butt
1: oh, in a few years. <laughs> oh, 100%. If you breed to him, you'll for sure have some siblings that are
0: something oh, yeah. and doing really yeah, well. for so. sure. And he... Um, I mean, I, uh, I know that people around here know that, you know, the, the Bia mares and, you know, Johnny.
1: Yes, you know, they're that, legends, I yes. feel like, in our area.
0: Yes. that Everybody knows a Bia horse. That Jeff, you know, Jeff's running, and I think Cassidy runs the Bia, um ring of fire, Johnny. Yep. You know, he's still winning and, and kicking butt, and I know... You know, Elizabeth, Taylor Elizabeth is mayor. Taylor's Taylor. Was she
1: be a bag of money?
0: Yes, be a bag of money. Um, and then he's also a full brother to the be a drinkin' Red Bull. Uh as well. I think um Megan Yurko ran him. Yep. As well as, you know, be a the be a stash of money mare. Um so there are lots of winners. I have no doubt that those babies are gonna win and, you know, do really well. Um, all of those horses are out of the money doctor that um Jeff Harper owned and they're I mean I It's I just, just think, a heck of a program and yes. proven. Yeah, proven program. Um I think one of the um one of the you know, one of the most successful programs in West Virginia and in, in For sure. my, you know, opinion. Um, Jeff did really well with it. He had a lot of success with it and that was a I mean Super, super nice stallion. So, um, if you guys are interested in breeding to him, um, Jamie said um, you could just, you can Facebook her, or um, she gave us her cell phone number. And if you don't know how to get a hold of her on Facebook, just get with me and I can get you a cell phone number. Um, So, anyway, I guess speaking of. We can also post him on our Facebook page. Yes. Yep, we have... Um, we'll post his flyer on the Facebook page and the information to um, the person... The contact information and um, all those things. And I guess um, sticking with the bea horses, we could get into... Everybody's favorite guy this year. Well, for the last several years, he's been whipping everybody's butt. Everybody Um,
1: goes to the pen to watch him run.
0: Yes, he is. um, He's a cool dude, man. I have um, so much respect for Carla and what she's done with him, which, I mean, you know, Carla makes everything look phenomenal. But stinger is just i don't want to say that stinger is a machine he is a machine but i i think that is an understatement to what stinger is
1: absolutely he's um you know i don't think that we in reference to horses and everything that they put us through and i guess they could laugh at us and say what we put them through right injuries and things like that um no horse can be a machine but if any any horse is close to it I mean he it's like he has it you know calculated in his head how to make a perfect run every single time oh he's
0: just I can't
1: think of another horse period that I have seen as solid and consistent um actually seen a Facebook post the uh, the other night of Carla how excited she was to bring him back and um they tipped a barrel barely and she I've never seen him knock a barrel
0: like no I was shocked when I saw that post too yeah I mean this horse is um, Mr. Consistency, but Mr. Consistency is going to whip your butt every yeah. single time. Like yes. he's gonna, he's gonna make you sad. Like true 1D time. horse
1: competes at nationals. You know, oh, yeah. in the top, and so that's really awesome that he's able to prove himself. And so that is all red and fired up. He is 14 three hands. He is AI and frozen only. Um, everything will be handled at the last resort stallion station as well in franklin furnace ohio he's just coming back from a pretty serious injury and didn't get a 2024 full crop so carla hopes in 2025 that will be a good one he is completely healed now and has got to run a few times she said it feels really good to have him back and that he's definitely a horse she can count on every trip She calls him her little red machine. So that's really funny. (laughs) I promise I didn't even know that that we are reading this as we speak. So that's funny. Um, She said she ran his mother. And so that's the Bia stash of money horse. Um, And she did really well on her, plus a a few full siblings to her. So those are the Bia horses we were mentioning. Every one of them wanted to work and please and had went on to do really well. It seems like Stinger is passing those traits right along to his babies, Carla says. His first full crop will be competing in 2024, although it's very um, small with a full crop of three. She knows the one she has and will be hauling um, coming this year, but she's not sure what's going on with the others. Um, she does plan on hitting a few faturities with that baby, Um And is super excited to get to run one of his babies. And I can only imagine. I have no doubt, even with a small first full crop of three, that those horses will go on to do big things. Stinger is an all-time favorite of mine. I'm a little biased because I had a baby out of him. And she came out of the womb a ball of muscle and very, very athletic. So I, I think that he throws that to his babies. Any of them that I see, even if the mare isn't super muscular or like you know whatever they are very muscular and athletic and so I think that he definitely passes that on to his babies and I'm equally as excited to see how they do I think in several years he will definitely be a proven producer
0: oh yeah for sure and I think we could talk um just a little bit about um about his his parents you know the I mean we've already mentioned the the B of a a money horse but you know that horse has over $150,000 in you know lifetime earnings and I know that was that was from several years ago. And she was a
1: world champion. Yeah, like she, she has a... American qualifiers. She's been there and done that and not just with one person. That mare has carried so many people to their dreams and I think that's what's even more impressive. Mhm.
0: You know. Yeah. And then he's also um, out of Firewater on
1: the rocks. By firewater on the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I'm sorry. Or, so.
0: No. sorry.
1: <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> we I get know, a little tongue tied here, but <laughs> um yeah, so we all know fire water on the rocks and yeah. He definitely has the bloodlines to back his and I think it's really cool that he's gotten to proven his like self in the barrel pin because not every stallion gets that opportunity, so I think that's Absolutely. really cool that he did get to do that.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough sometimes, you know, to – it just takes so long to prove a stallion, and that's like, you know, these these older guys that, you know, have um, established babies and things like that, um, it takes a long time to get there, but it really does help whenever, you know, they – Show that they can do it. I think that you know that makes a big difference sometimes.
1: Yeah, for so, sure.
0: Um, if anybody is interested, give Carla yell. Once again, we will um, post pictures and um, information on the the Facebook page. So if if you guys have any questions, um, like I said, I know Carla would be happy to answer them. And if I were you, I would, um, I would jump on him early because I have a feeling that in a few years, once the babies start kicking butt, you know, his stud fee is not going to be this reasonable. And I mean, you're not going to get a better bred baby than really any of these stallions. They're all bred so well. Um, you're not going to get, I mean, these stud fees are nothing in yeah. today's world like all of them yeah i think like that $1, they're $1, 000, really really reasonable the next stallion we're going to talk about is julie castelli's rick's policy he is by southern cartel who is by corona cartel and he is out of a daughter of streak in la jolla julie's had him for a few years now But he's finally got some babies in the pen. One of those babies being Ashley and Brian Skaggs' Mona. And I know Brian's been getting some. One and 2D runs on her this year. She's really coming on. Um, She's super, super nice. She's definitely one of the horses that could win any barrel race. They also have, I believe, she's a three-year-old out of him and they're just now starting to haul her. So I'm really excited to see what she does in the future. And I have a coming four-year-old that's by him out of my mare and, um, she's, he's going, um, to the trainer over the winter. And so I'm really excited to get him started in the spring and start hauling him some because if he's half as good as Mona, um, I'll be tickled to death with him. And I know Julie has several babies out of him. Um, they're just now really getting out and getting in the pen. And um, so I think in the next couple years, you'll really start um, seeing those babies win in. Because um, we all know that if Julie's on them, they are going to win. That's for sure. Um, she said that he will be standing at... Their house. He is live cover only. Um, The stud fee for 2024 is $950. And he is enrolled in Future Forgins. He has progeny earnings on the track of over $30,000. He is a triple A producer. And she does not have any babies um, available at the moment. But definitely. Check back in the spring um, because I know she's got several, several young ones, and if you can get your hands on one, you're definitely going to want one because I think in a few years, um, the price is going to go up once a few more of them get out and start doing well. So uh, I think you're going to want to jump on that bandwagon sooner rather than later. Next up on our stallion roster is the one and only one last story. Um, I personally love the stallion i followed him for um a long time and he is by jl dash to heaven who needs no introduction <laughs> um and out of a cool little mare that is actually from west virginia her name is storytelling flower and I have I have a c a cool little story about that mayor um at the at the end of this. Um but one last story is a two thousand twelve fifteen two AQHA stallion. He is standing at um the Hennings farm. He belongs to Morgan Henning and Morgan has had a lot of success with him. Um some of his own accomplishments um, are the NBHA Youth World 1D finalists, the Congress Barrel Racing Sweepstakes finalist, the West Virginia Barrel Futurity champion, Indiana Barrel Futurity second go champion, going big time futurity average reserve champion, BFA year end standings fourth place, multiple rodeo placings, multiple youth and open 1D wins, multiple futurity go round average wins and placings. Um, this guy is, he's cool. I mean, he's, he's been there, done that. He's proven that, you know, he should be a stallion and he has also proven that he, you know, that his babies can, can do it. Um, he is the sire of the Fort Smith Futurity finalist, the BFA World Championships Futurity finalists, the IBRA Nationals, um, 1D top five. Quarter horse congress pole bending champion, quarter horse congress placings in both barrels and poles, MBHA open 2D uh, state champion, battle in the saddle 2D average pole bending reserve champion, futurity wins and placings, rodeo wins and placings, 1D MBHA state championship placings, 1D super so I mean I don't like what else could this guy do? Like for yeah. real. I mean even even himself and he's also, you know, he's in the kiss incentive he's in tomorrow's legends he's in future fortunes he's in um the mpba so i feel like those are the major incentives that are here so if you don't plan on you know if you don't really care if you go to the ruby or pink buckle or whatever i mean he's in you know plenty of incentives that you can stay fairly local and actually get some some money from um I think that their program is really cool. I would really like to have her on the podcast and her sister um, just to talk about, you know, what they've done. and
1: They're so successful in anything that they do, and I think it's really cool. You know, when I first um, was around them and ran with them and things like that, you thought of them as these two little girls that just kicked butt, but they've really helped. You know, develop that program and to ha- stand a stallion as nice as he is and stuff. Now, I think that they just have a lot of cool things that they do, jockeying being the number one. But
0: those girls, they've be on been jockeying since they were little and jockeying against professionals, and now they're professionals. And um I've just always looked up to, even though I'm older than them, I've still always looked up to those girls because they are still young. Like, I think they just recently within the last year I think Reagan is still in school and Morgan I think is maybe out of school but um they're still really young and they have accomplished so much already and they train you know their own horses and um I think their horses look um they look easy and I mean that in a very respectful way like you know there's a lot of people that you know you can watch a horse and you can think like, man, I don't think I could ride that. And I know that it's harder, but I just, they do such a good job. Like it just, you know, it lo- they make it look so easy.
1: Yeah, they definitely do. And I, I think about what they've accomplished in the last 10 years um, and as children. So I can, you know, for the majority of those years. So I can only imagine as adults um, what they're going to be able to accomplish in the next 10 years and 20 years and so I think that they are definitely someone that anybody can look up to and this stallion is just phenomenal. He's tried and true, been there and done that and his he's a proven producer as well, so
0: And he has a cool story, um, which like I said, Morgan, would love for you to come on the podcast. Um but this I This is your eventual, that official, official <laughs> invitation. Um but I know I have I had heard um he just he has a really cool story. Um they have a really cool story. Um, with him but a couple other things um, some baby highlights that she sent me um, she said that he is a 22nd pole producer and she said that they have actually had some 19 second pole runs on some of his babies but none of them have been clean yet so i mean you know they will be (laughs) it'll well it'll just (laughs) it'll just be a matter of time but um famous last words is a five-year-old and that horse was the fort smith faturity finalist bfa faturity finalist, multiple faturity go around and average placings congress champion and multiple placings at congress in both barrels and polls mbha state show 1d placings congress sweepstake placings um and then another baby was flower power who's seven years old and it says that was his first baby um is a multiple faturity has multiple maturity go round wins placings and averages um it says the babies are ran by adult seniors and youth uh, which i think is kind of a testament to what we were just saying like um but there's another one supermodel story is a four-year-old and it was fourth place in the junior barrels at the congress seventh place amateur pole bending um at the Congress this year, MBHA State Show 2D Champion, MBHA State Show 1D, go-round placing, IBRA National Senior Finals, um fourth place in the first division. And then there's um, I'll Tell You a Story, who has multiple rodeo placings and super show placings. And um she said that Famous Last Words was one hole out in the Super Stakes $100,000 slot race as a three-year-old. Um <laughs> wow. I mean, he's... It's just phenomenal what they do with him and what they've gotten done with him and his babies and you know I, I believe his stud fee this year is um, fifteen hundred dollars and like I said you can contact Morgan about that um, we'll post his flyer on the page and her phone number is on there um, but real quick before we get um, to, before we go to the next horse his his mom storytelling flower um she actually came from her sire is a stallion named Juanita Flower and he actually was owned by Jim Burks from Hillsborough who I have like a lot of history with um so I just thought that you know that was really cool and Jim actually I've just recently found out Jim actually bred and raised his mom and I know Bobby Fraley had, um, the storytelling flower mare, and then Carla, um, had her and ran her, actually, whenever I was running Breeze, and then they're the ones that sold her to the Hennings, and that horse, I know, like, that mare herself, she has done so much. She was a Congress champion. I think, um, I think Reagan was, like, maybe 10 or something. I know she was really young. I mean, she won all kinds of things. And Morgan, she sent me a video about um, JL Dash to Heaven and um, That Mayor. So, we'll post that on there so you guys can see all the things that his parents have done. Um, And then he has a half-sister, which is the storytelling Daisy. And, you know, she was uh, born in 2009 and she was... Like, a BFA Junior World Champion, BFA World Championship, Juvenile Second Go, Fourth Place. She was the BFA Futurity Horse of the Year, Lucky Dog Futurity Champion, Southern Rebel Futurity, Second Go Reserve Champion. Like, the list literally goes on and on and on and on that his half-sister, the storyteller and Daisy, Daisy, um, who is a half-sister out on, on the mayor's side. Um so I mean Basically just proven 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 anywhere you want to go if you want to run local you want to go out west and run at the BFA like you know this this guy can this guy can definitely do it for you Last on our stallion roster I'm going to be a little biased um and I thought we would tell you guys about um a bread and Ray stallion from West Virginia, who is now out west doing big things with um, the Delanceys. So, um, now we're going to talk about He's a Fiery Fling. He's a Fiery Fling is by a streak
1: of fling out of She's a Fire and Bully by Bully Bullion. He is a 2015 Bay Room stallion. He is 15 2 hands and has a lifetime earnings of $35,000. His stud fee for 2024 is $1,500 plus shipping. He is an all-around money-winning stallion, 10-foot open barrel money earner and breakaway money earner. He's the AQHA World Show finalist in Heading, money earner in the Heading and Healing 2022 Fast Time and Royal Crown and underheading short go. 2021 AQHA World Show finalist L3 in heading. Standing at CSU Equine Reproduction Lab and he is also color
0: tested. So that is that is the guy that um, we bred and raised and we are um we're really proud of him and really thankful um for the Delanceys and all all they've done to make him that the success that he is um, when he was born that was they are the owners that we had in mind and we just cannot thank them enough um, for doing all that that they've done with him and and proven him and just given him the opportunity to um, be what he is today Um, but they also have a couple other really really nice stallions that I know you guys have heard of. Um, I think one of them was a relatively recent purchase. Um, So we're going to definitely go ahead and mention those guys as well. And um, the first one is Fiesta's Dynasty. He is a 2011 gray stallion. Um, He is by FDD Dynasty out of, the great firewater fiesta that ran at the nfr he has fifty one thousand in progeny earnings with a limited number of foals competing um AQHA reserve world champion head horse shown by jd yates raised on the judd little ranch and he is ridden by their daughter reagan delancey i know that she has been doing really really well with him um i follow them and i, I just think it's really cool to see these guys actually out and running and, and competing and, you know, not just um, standing as, you know, not just standing. I think it's cool that they're out there still, you know, roping and running barrels and, and all of those things. Um, but his 2024 fee is 1500 plus shipping and he will also be standing at CSU Equine Reproduction Lab. Um these guys are in a lot of uh incentives uh ruby buckle Royal crown, Riotta buckle, the Diamond classic future fortunes colorado classic um valley girls i'm I'm sure there's more I know these guys are in a ton of incentives so um if you guys are wanting to go out and play with the big dogs and you know try to win some of. That money. Um, these guys are definitely stallions that you should look at.
1: So, with that being said, the last stallion we have from the Delancies and on our roster is this famous on fire. He is by Firewater Flit out of Famous Silk panties. Ooh. I think that we all um, are fans of his breeding. I'm sure, uh, mare power for sure. He is a um, 1D barrel money earner. He is a 2012 Chestnut Stallion standing at 15-1 hands. And he will also be at the CSU Equine Reproduction Lab. His 2024 stud fee is twelve fifty plus shipping. And he is in um, many incentives as well. Um, tomorrow's Legends, Future Fortunes and the list goes on. Um, So definitely check out all of these guys. I think that many of them um, out of her three stallions are super nice and they have nice babies on the ground. They're proven and been there and done that. Um, This fame is on fires. Um, Dam specifically has a lifetime earnings of 237,000 plus. She was an amazing mare. So Definitely. Um,
0: Was she exported to Brazil? Did she go to Brazil?
1: I don't know. It would not surprise me because I think she definitely be. could hang with the Brazilians.
0: Personally, so <laughs> I'm thinking that she did because I know they're super picky about what they'll take. I know they said they say that it has to better the breed, so the and they, I think the horse has to have won over a certain amount of money. Um, it can't just be like a horse that you see online that you think is pretty. You know they that the horse actually has to do something and they have to feel like it is something that is going to make what they already have better. So
1: I could definitely see that because it, the competition be is so that, stiff over for there. For
0: some reason I was thinking that she did get sold to Brazil. So you guys can correct us if we're wrong on that. I'm I'm not 100% sure, but like I said for some reason I was I was thinking um that, but also I want to give Mary Helen Lett a little shout out um, that owns Mick, which is he's a fiery flings dam now. Um, She's a firing bully. I know she has been um, selling some poles in utero and different things like that. Um, So, you know, that may be somebody else that, you know, you check with. you're looking for babies or whatever she's done a phenomenal job with her and
1: I think we're all fans of mare power and these stallions are so important but also so are the mares and that's how we get these great stallions so yeah that's really cool
0: yeah when, when I sold her um back then I you know she told me what she was planning to do and and she has done just that and done a phenomenal job with her and I know I think she maybe just sold a Blazing Jettelina in utero, but I think she has one or two more um babies out of we call her Fruity, um, out of Fruity that are in utero. I'm not sure if she has anything on the ground. I feel like maybe everything that was on the ground was sold, sold. already. Um, but uh, anyway, I just wanted to I just wanted to kinda give her a shout out and um maybe put her on your all's radar for somebody to look at as well so um thanks for um listening to us for two hours (laughs) (laughs) hopefully you guys learned something
1: that wraps up our um talking points that we wanted to get across and hopefully we learned more about these stallions and so hopefully you guys did too i think that any of them are really, really nice prospects for your breeding program. I would consider breeding to any, any of these of stallions. Them, absolutely. I think that all of them are a, a very good deal, very reasonably priced. And maybe there's another stallion out there that you're thinking of breeding to, and that's okay too. Um, but just to wrap it up, I think consider your mare, the stallion, and incentives. and um, Talk to your stallion
0: owners. Talk to your vet. You know, get everything in line and and get a game plan. You know, be prepared because it's definitely not for the faint of heart. But you know,
1: and let's do justice by our horses. You know, do exactly do what we can to better this industry. And yeah, West Virginia right now
0: is really tough. Um, we have a lot of really nice horses that you know. I think some people think. Well when you go to the big shows you know they're they're 3d horses and that is not the case anymore it's right?
1: not and I've I think all of my friend my friend circle knows this but um, I've stood firm on that the past several years that these horses we're running against now go to big shows and they run in the 1d One and, and 2d and a 2d is very you know I mean that's very respectful yeah
0: against I, those horses I don't
1: think that there's a trainer out there. Um, that would disagree that if you're in the 2D at a big show, you are one little tweak away, away from the 1D. Yeah. If your horse can run in the 2D, it can run in the 1D.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, it's I think we're getting tougher here. Everybody talks about, you know, the competition out West, and I know that it's hard. You know, I mean, that's where all the big guns are, and, you know, I, um so I'm not downplaying that at all but I can just tell you that you are not gonna I don't care if there's 30 horses at the show or if there's 150 if you win that barrel race around here you've probably beat at least a handful of really nice horses even in a tiny tiny show
1: absolutely Um, because they're going to Indiana and to Georgia
0: and running with some of those horses yeah yeah it's it's tough here so you know let's just let's just try to keep you know bettering the horses that we get to run against and you know bettering ourselves and and just bettering the sport and the breed and really you know put some thought into the babies that you're putting on the ground i mean now it's so easy to find information out and you know you don't even have to pick up the phone if you're like me and you don't like talking on the phone you don't even have to pick up the phone now to be able to find you know information out and so Let's just use the resources that we have and make the best decisions that we can for us and for our courses.
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast, where we're not so rich, not so famous, but, but we're, we're all, all trying, trying to be. be.